0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Hey, hey, great. It's so so good to to be here uh, today. We are concluding our Colossians series um, and I know you're saying, whoa, 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 didn't Anthony conclude the series last week? He talked about final things, and he did. He did a great job, uh, but I got, I got moved somehow. I don't know. But here I am going back to Colossians 3.18, so we are concluding with Colossians 3. Yeah. And you can listen to Anthony's sermon on the website. It was fantastic, in the correct order if you so desire. So we are teaching uh, expositionally through the, the book of Colossians. And this is a, a really uh, good thing to do because it forces us to engage with every verse in the Bible. It forces us to uh, not skip the bits that maybe we aren't as excited uh, about teaching about um, as we go verse by verse. And today is one of those, is one of those sermons which I maybe wouldn't be like, Hey, I, you know what I really want to talk about? Submission. Submission. That sounds great. Let's do up some submission. Uh, and and so as I'm pondering this, you know, I know that we have a uh, culturally we just don't understand what Paul meant by submission. When we think of submission, we think of maybe a, a stronger person dominating or subjugating somebody that's weaker. Uh, but that is not what what Paul was talking about. And so I'm trying to think of illustrations and ways to 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 give examples of it and my reservoir of, of cultural, um, uh, what do you call those, um, uh, anecdotes, that's not it, My uh, 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 object lessons. Now, things where I explain what I'm saying. I'm terrible, terrible at this. All right, speak life, Mark. Um, I'm great at this. All right, so, uh, <laughs> and so what, what I first think about is like, all right, where is their submission in Star Wars? And, and, and so here's the problem. There is very, very little. Star Wars is terrible for submission. They're all bad. Qui-Gon Jinn, terrible, right? Uh, Kylo Ren, super terrible. Super, super terrible. Uh, who, else is, who else is bad? Darth Vader, very bad. Not a good submitter. Um, and even Luke Skywalker, the hero of the saga, terrible at submission. R2D2, I don't know, he swears through the whole thing. He's, everything's beeped out. <laughs> um, sorry. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, uh, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> okay, um, so Luke Child, uh so I don't know if you guys have ever seen those How It Should Have Ended videos on YouTube. Anybody? I love those. There's a great. There's a couple of people. And so if there was a, a How It Should Have Ended uh, for Empire Strikes Back, uh, Luke would have been on Dagobah hanging out with Yoda, and he gets this forced vision. He's like, I've got to go to Cloud City to save my friends. And Yoda says, Yoda, the, the Jedi Master, says, don't do it. You're not ready. And... He says, oh, it doesn't, uh, no, I got to do it. I'm going anyway. Does not submit to Yoda. He shows up at Cloud City, lights his lightsaber, and Darth Vader just cuts him in half. That's probably more likely. He should have. He wasn't ready, but that's not a very good story. Um, and so he doesn't submit to Yoda. And so as I'm thinking about that, I realize that this book that I was planning to write, You Don't Need the Bible, Just Watch Star Wars, it's out the door. It's out the window. So, so forget that. That is not true. I'm not writing that book. That is, it's not good. That was a joke. So am I doing good? (laughs) Here we go. All right, and so we are picking up in uh, Colossians 3.18, where we left off a couple weeks ago at Colossians 3.17, and Paul had been talking about unity in, in the community, Uh, If you remember Colossians 3.11, it says uh, in in the kingdom there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, barbarian or Scythian, right? Everybody is equal before God. And even in the diversity of the cultures, even in uh, the diversity of of genders, male and female, he talks about that in Galatians, not in Colossians, but all are equal before God. And Paul says that we need to get rid of, to put off or put to death, he says in 3.5, I think, put to death anything and everything that brings division in the community. Right? he says, get rid of uh, slander, get rid of lying, get s- rid of sexual immorality, get rid of, 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 of greed and idolatry, get rid of everything that brings division in the community and pursue, put on the, these, uh, these new characteristic, these new attributes, put on love, put on compassion, put on forgiveness, put on long-suffering, endurance, bearing with one another, because these are the things that bring unity in the community. And he ends that section in Colossians 3.17 and says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And so we see, as Paul continues this letter, that just as he began, that Jesus is central to all of his thought. And we see it very, very clearly uh, in one fifteen, where we talked about the supremacy of Christ, that Christ is supreme in all of creation, that Jesus is supreme, he is number one in the church, that everything must revolve around him. And then, uh, later on in chapter 2, he condemns these false teachers for devaluing Christ's centrality. And he says that anything that usurps Jesus' position as the center, as the supreme one, destroys the gospel. Jesus must be the center. And then as we looked at two weeks ago, it was because of Christ's lordship that we need to conform to these new rules and expectations of this new community. Because we have died with Christ and been raised to life with him, we now live as people who are in Christ and finally, in 315 and 17, he exhorts us to live lives of worship and thanksgiving to God. So we see throughout the book, Jesus Christ is the centerpiece. He is central to everything. And now, in our passage today, Paul is narrowing things down to the household instructions. He's reorienting what would have been pretty common and uh, Greek household codes that thinkers and philosophers would have talked about during his day. They understood that the the family unit was integral. It was incredibly important to the society. If society is going to work well, the family has to be structured well. And so Paul takes these... uh, uh, Hellenistic or these Greek household codes, but he reorients them because of who we are now in Jesus Christ. Things are different because we are in Christ. And so we're just going to read through our portion of scripture here real quick, starting in Colossians 3, verse 18, and then we're going to kind of go through this thought by thought. Uh, Colossians 3:18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And uh, bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Oops. Uh, verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master. And here it's the Greek word kurios, which has been translated Lord in the previous seven times it was used in this passage. You also have a master. You have a Lord in heaven. And so we can see that Paul uses the word Lord, uh, or Kyrios, eight times in this passage. He takes this Hellenistic household code and he radically changes it up and makes Jesus Christ the centerpiece of it. No longer is the centerpiece, the highest person on the totem pole, the the male head of the household. Uh Uh-oh, now there's somebody that's even above that. And this uh, section leads into John 4, 2 through 6, which is the next step for the community. Once we have our community in good order, once we have our household in good order, then we are set up to bring the good news to the lost. If we don't have these things in order, we are kind of handicapping ourselves as we try to go out and reveal and bear witness of Jesus Christ to a lost and a hurting world. But we're going to focus on four, uh, 3.18 through 4, one today. And so this section uh, of scripture shows that what Paul was talking about in Colossians 3 verse 1, where he says, set your hearts on things above and set your minds on things above, where he's teaching the, the Colossian church to reorient all their thoughts and all of their actions towards the kingdom of God. Right? And this new reorientation unto Christ does not mean that we remove ourselves from the day-to-day experiences of life. Right? But it is, as Christ followers, a wholehearted commitment to these incredibly important daily duties of this world that we do for the sake of the Lord. Right? We cannot underestimate the significance of our daily living with our closest relationships. Right? This uh, is where uh, the rubber meets the road in our, Christ, uh, in our, in our Christian lives. All right? If we are spending a bunch of time praying and we're fasting and we're prophesying and we're praying in tongues and we're doing all these things, but we have bad relationships with our spouse and our kids and our employees and our bosses, we are doing it wrong. We've missed it. And so this, Paul, and you see this over and over again through, through the epistles where Paul gives these beautiful theological ideas like the supremacy of Christ and then it comes down to these household codes. How do we live well in community? And so in Colossians 3.18 is where we're going to start, 18 and 19, where it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And so we're going to spend most of our time this morning on these two uh, verses because I think that understanding submission is difficult for us in our culture. And I think if we don't understand submission, we're not going to really grasp the significance of the rest of the household codes. And so what we see here and throughout other passages, uh, especially in the New Testament, right, that all Christ followers are called to live lives of submission. We're all called to live lives of submission. Uh, In Romans 8, 7, it says that we are to submit to God's law. Um, And in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says that younger men are to be subject to older men. Uh, In Ephesians 5.21, which would be a parallel passage to what we're reading today, Paul starts his household code in 5.21 by saying we are all supposed to submit to one another. He says we're all supposed to submit to one another, and here's what it looks like in the husband-wife relationship. Here's what it looks like in the parent-child relationship. Here's what it looks like at work. Okay? And then in Philippians 2, 3, we see Paul rejecting selfishness and asking the church of Philippi to humbly consider others as, uh, as better or above themselves. Good. And interestingly enough, we even see that Jesus was in submission. Yep. Uh-huh? First Corinthians 15, 27 says, For he, the Father, has put everything under his feet, Jesus' feet, Now when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. And so if Jesus Christ is in submission, certainly his submission was not weakness. It could not be. He is equally God with Father and the Holy Spirit. And we see Jesus teaching that whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And so he teaches about the significance, the importance of humility, of submission. And it's this act of submission that all Christ followers are called to to emulate, to follow, as Jesus laid his life down. And so the definition we're going to use for submission today uh, comes from Klein Snodgrass's... (laughs) I know. (laughs) Klein Snodgrass wrote a great commentary on Ephesians. And... uh, and his definition uh, of submission was a strong and free act of the will based on real love for the other person. So good, good job Klein, (laughs) Dr. Snodgrass I'm sure. And so so submission is choosing to value another and lay down your own rights for the benefit of somebody else. Alright, and so as we follow Christ's example, the one who had all authority, he chose to lay down that right, to submit to the Father's will and choose to die a sinner's death, even though he was sinless. And it was Christ's love for the Father, his love for us, that he submitted to the cross. And I think that our friend Dr. Snodgrass might be correct when he says, he wrote this in his his commentary, for Christians, Authority and submission are the same thing. Uh. And that was hard for me to get my mind right. I thought about that and, and I pondered it. And it really for, for sure, right, it's like there's something, you, they're inextricably linked, right? We cannot remove them. Even as leaders in the church or leaders in our household or leaders at, at work, we are called to follow Christ's example, which means being servant leaders. We, uh, with authority, are called to take up our cross, to die to our own rights for the desires, and, and to lay down our own desires for the sake of someone else. You see, even Jesus's authority did not remove him from submission. And so there just is a cultural disconnect here. We Uh, when we think of submission, as I said, we immediately think of this weaker person being dominated by a stronger person. And our culture kind of promotes this and pushes this, right? It kind of pushes us to always be looking out for ourselves, right? Always putting our own needs above every other need. And so submission just, it, it doesn't settle right or well with us. And I think it's just really clear that we don't understand what Paul and Jesus meant by submission. And our culture is blinding us to the the awesomeness, the greatness, the fullness that is biblical submission. And so, what is submission? Again, we're just going to repeat this uh, definition. It's a strong and a free act of the will based on real love for the other person. And as I was trying to come up with uh, some illustrations—that's the word I was looking for earlier. Illustrations. Good job, Mark. Um, so I had this friend when I worked at Fox Brothers, and he was great. I worked with him for many, many years, and unbeknownst to me, he had a—he uh, had—he uh, had like depression issues that he took uh, medication for, and I, I never knew it until he decided to start self-medicating and started. He's like went to the doctor, and he's like the doctor told me to take this, but. I read something, so I'm going to do this instead of, and I'm going to take this, and all this, and it, and it got pretty messed up pretty fast. And he, like, he stopped showing up for work. You know, he ended up quitting, and, and a bunch of stuff in his life went bad because he stopped submitting to the doctor, right? He, the doctor had his best interest in mind. He wanted to to see him live a, a full and, and flourishing life, and he knew that oh, if we do this, it's going to help you. But when he stepped out from under that submission, when he stopped trusting that the doctor had his best interest in mind, things went downhill pretty quickly. Luckily, he got, he got back on track, and he's doing great. We love him. Anywho, uh, and I thought that was a pretty decent uh, illustration, but another one that I, I thought of, and I didn't realize Cameron was going to be here, so I'm going to talk about him for a minute. <coughs> Cameron's not been submitting well to me lately. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, So I am in submission to Cameron. He is my spiritual authority, and it is not challenging for me. I actually really like being under uh, Cameron's submission. (laughs) That sounds a weird thing to say. I don't don't normally say it like that, but I trust him, right? And I love him because I know that he loves me, and he wants what is best for me. All right? And so it's easy for me to step into submission underneath him. All right? And as an example, uh, when I was preparing a message for this very Colossians uh, series, I had a... Uh, the section uh, in Colossians 1:15, the supremacy of Christ, and I was super excited, and I had all these great ideas, and I, I had written out some notes, and I made a, had a, I had a PowerPoint. PowerPoint, the last thing I ever do. I had a PowerPoint done early. It was, I was like, this, oh, this is gonna be really good. People are gonna think I'm awesome. Anyway, uh, and so, and so I send it to Cameron. And normally, you send your your notes or something to Cameron. He kind of sends something like, good job or great. <laughs> okay. Thanks, and this time I got I got nothing, no response until the next day I get a phone call. Oh, uh, h- hello? <laughs> like, do you have a Bible? <laughs> 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 oh, oh, this isn't gonna be good. The, o- uh, the only other time I re- remember getting a uh, a phone call, an unexpected phone call from the pastor. We were doing re- Friday night renewal meetings at uh, here over a long time ago. And the stage was actually on that side, on that wall, where the sound booth is. And we, were, and we were worshiping. It was great. I was super excited, and I kicked the podium off of the stage. I was like, ah, that's a prophetic act of something. No, I don't know what's happening. And I was like, this is super cool. This is what we do, right? And uh, it was great. Worship went on. And the next day I get this phone call from Pastor Ken. What's going on, Mark? What's, like, what are you talking about? Why did you kick the... The podium off stage. Well, I don't know. Seems like don't do that. <laughs> okay. Check. I haven't done it since. <laughs> wanted to. I've wanted to many times, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, and, and so and so Cameron called me, do you have a Bible? Ugh, oh, no, let me go back to the church, I'll get a Bible. And so he's like he's like, oh, what you wrote wasn't bad. That's just not what this is about. <laughs> and like, I, like, inside of me, I was like, I'm ready to defend this. I could, I could defend this, I think. And I was like, wait a minute. Cameron knows what he's doing. Cameron loves me. Cameron cares about this church. He wants what's best for me and what's best for the church. And so I just said, okay. And I scrapped it. And I wrote what I think was much, much better. I think better for everybody. Right? Thank you. Thank you. And so because I was in submission to Cameron... I was able to listen to him and to, to trust that he did have my best in mind. I was willing and able to lay down my thoughts and my, my ideas in submission to Cameron. It was, thank you. And it was, it was great. I learned a lot. And so as we look at this passage, whatever we think submission means, right, it absolutely does not mean that a husband can lord his authority over his wife. All right? And the, the husband absolutely has a leadership role, right? though it is not in order to boss his wife around or to use it as some kind of a position of privilege. Right? And just as Jesus redefined greatness as being a servant, Paul, in Ephesians 5, redefines being a head as having responsibility to love, to give oneself, and to nurture. And so we see that a priority is placed on the husband, but contrary to what ancient society would have talked about, it was for the benefit of the wife. Mm -hmm. And so wives are called to submit to their husbands as is fitting to the Lord. The wives submit to the husbands as an expression of their submission to the Lord. Right? And the Lord has created this household order where the husband is the head, uh, the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. And this absolutely does not mean that women are less than men. Right? We talked about in Colossians 3.11 and Galatians 3.28 that Paul says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither male nor female. He's not talking about superiority of men or women, slave or free, Jew or Greek, he has just spent the whole last portion of chapter 3 talking about the importance of unity and our equality before Christ. And so he does not mean uh, any kind of inferiority. He's saying that wives should submit to their husbands as an act of service, as the, the motive of their submission should be as unto the Lord. And so again, we need to reorient our understanding of submission to God's understanding. And as Christ followers, we are called to follow his example of humble submission to God-ordained authority. And, and, um, And those with leadership and authority must follow Jesus' example of authority, humble service, even to death. And so we see in verse 19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Yes, we are to the second verse of the passage. (laughs) Moving (laughs) Moving quickly along. (laughs) Uh, So somebody might want to order lunch in. Um, Unlike, not true, unlike the other parts are going to be quick. Unlike the Hellenistic household codes, which were uh, really preoccupied with the rights of the male head of the household, we see Paul uh, addresses the the duties of the husband by saying that love has to be the the characteristic of the husband's relationship with his wife. And in that day and age, outside of this new humanity, this new creation, talk of love would have been absent from first century discussions of marriage. That was not the husband's main role, was loving and caring for his wife, right? But in the new humanity, in in Christ's new creation, right, this is the focus of marriage. He he says in Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And so the husband-wife relationship that is not protected by love causes pain and causes division, which is the very thing that Paul has been arguing against this entire chapter. Good, Mark. Good. Okay, moving along. Chap- uh, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become Discouraged. And so we see here that family order in the kingdom of God also calls for children to obey their parents in everything. And Paul would have been specifically talking to children still living with their parents and calling them to obey everything, everything that isn't sinful, of course. Uh, And Paul is affirming that this cultural code of conduct of the the obedience of children to their parents is, is right and good, but again, he puts this caveat on it, right? For this pleases the Lord. Even the child-parent relationship, as the child submits, obeys the parents, it is uh, because of the centrality of Jesus Christ. Amen. But then Paul carries on and points to, and he, he changes the call and the expectation of fathers. This would have been left out of household codes in his day, but it says, uh, right, uh, where would it go? The, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, in the first century... Fathers could provoke their children all they wanted to. But here, father could refer to both parents or might be emphasizing the significance, the important role of the father in in raising children. And as Paul is calling fathers, he's calling parents uh, not to provoke their kids, not to make them resentful, not to make them bitter. Right? Being overly harsh, being overly critical can actually provoke children to rebelliousness, can yep. provoke them to, to losing heart, becoming disillusioned. And as we parent our kids, we want to parent them as God has fathered us, as he has parented us, yeah. which is full of kindness and gentleness, mercy, and abundant grace. Good. See, that was quick. Favoritism. So again, we see that the, the, the reason that the employees are working hard for their, uh, their bosses is as if they are serving Christ, right? It's a, a reorientation. And so as we apply this verse to our day, we normally understand the master-slave right, as employer and employee. And it's on the basis of this relationship with Christ that slaves or bondservants or employees are to serve and obey their masters or their bosses. It isn't supposed to be only when the, the boss is watching you, right? But all the time. Urgh, ouch. Ew. We are called to work as if we are working for the Lord, right? And I, I understand not liking your job. I'm in the middle of it. Ugh. Just kidding. Just kidding. Not true love my job, love my job. I, uh, I used to work at a place called Fox Brothers. I don't normally mention this from the pulpit. (laughs) And, uh, and, and there is a, the last few years uh, I just, I had a real difficult time. And this passage was a real encouragement for me to like, all right, every morning I remember going, Mark, you, you can do it. You know, you're not working for these bosses, you know, regardless of what you think about them, you're working for the Lord. Put your all into it. And, and yeah, I messed up sometimes and I failed and I wasn't perfect, but this, you know, I tried to remember this and go, I'm working not just for Fox Brothers, but as to the Lord. And, so, and it's okay to look for a different job, but while you're there, you have to just give it 100% because you can trust and believe that God is watching you and that he is going to reward you as you diligently serve. And in Colossians 4.1... No? Here we go. There it is. 4.1, it says, Masters provide... Your slaves with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. right, and again, here is Paul changing the cultural norm by putting new expectations on those in authority. Right? Paul is saying that masters on earth, you also have a master in heaven. Right? You are no longer the top of the totem pole. Okay, The, the focus for masters or the focus for bosses should not be on what is best for them. Right? But what is right and fair for those who are serving them? And this can also be translated as justice and equality. I love that. Masters, provide your slaves with justice and equality. Right? It, these are the, supposed to be the motivating factors as bosses relate to their employees. Yep. Right? It no longer can be just about purely the, the bottom line. It cannot be just, well, the customer is always right. right? As, as masters, as bosses, you have to take into consideration the justice, the equality, the rightness, and the fairness that you are giving to your employees. And so as we see throughout this household code that every single relationship needs to be reconsidered in light of the gospel. It, it, it's really, it's great, right? That no longer is the male head of the household on top and everyone else underneath them. In Christ, there is equality of value and identity. Right? In the household codes of the first century, there would have been a lessening of value and, and rights as you went down the list. Men, women, children, slaves. But in Christ, we see that all people regardless of gender, regardless of position, are valuable and must be treated as such. Paul actually gives these people who had minimal rights, rights in this new kingdom. Men and bosses are no longer on top, but they're called to lay down their lives as they love and honor and, and value their wives, their kids, and their employees. And wives, kids, and employees are valuable and are given rights as they are protected and given equal standing, which would have absolutely been a radical departure from the norm of the day. And so this ordered authority structure, all under the authority of Christ, is part of this new humanity, this new community that God has created through Christ and has brought us into through the blood of Jesus. And as we looked at last, well, two weeks ago when we talked about Colossians 3, 1 through 17, that this unity lays the foundation for us to fulfill our mission to bear witness of Christ. So, right on time, good. So in, in conclusion, right, as Christ followers, as we, as we think about this portion of Scripture, uh, we all need to look at our relationships and how they are supposed to be reoriented under Christ. Christ is a center. He is the foundation. He is the empowerment of our marriage and our families in our jobs. And these things in our, this day-to-day living, these are not periphery things that get in the way of our Christian life, right? These are the important bits of our Christian vocation. And so, Today's takeaway, this is where we want to, this is where we're going to leave it, is to look at your closest relationships, right? Look at your relationship with your spouse and with your parents, with your children, with your co-workers, with your boss, with your employees, whatever it is. And are you pursuing these relationships reoriented by Christ, submitting to them, Serving them, loving them, preferring them above yourself? Or are these relationships still dominated by these carnal, selfish motives that Paul has told us to put to death earlier in chapter 3? Now that we are in Christ, he says, we need to act like it. Mm -hmm. Put on these new things, the new things of the kingdom. In living these values, these kingdom values, it will bring unity and flourishing in our lives. In our family's life in our church in our community and will be a conduit of God's resurrection life into the world amen. amen would you stand and pray with me as we close so father God we love you God we're so grateful for your humble sacrifice Jesus that you would step down from your place of, of authority in heaven God and that you would become a man that you would submit yourself to dying on the cross to pay the penalty that we could not pay. And so, Jesus, we just declare that you are our Lord and our Savior. And we love you. And Lord, as we put you as center in our life, would you help us to reorient every relationship under you? God, help us to love our spouse. Help us to submit Lord, help us to obey our parents. Help us to parent well. God, help us in our work relationships to bear witness of you. Lord Jesus, we love you. You are faithful. And Lord, we thank you that you are in, in, uh, that you are the one who transforms us. God, and we just say, God, would you come and change me? Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to live as you've called me to live.